Welcome to The Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up where we left off. We're in the book of Exodus. That's the second book in the Bible in the Old Testament. And we're at chapter 13. Let's begin with verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, so now it's um, Moses interacting with the Lord again. Um, and again, we're just saying the Lord, no matter what the word translated from was, we'll just say the Lord since it says the Lord. Uh, verse 2, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. So um, we've seen a difference be made between the Egyptians and the children of Israel. Now there's going to be a difference made among the firstborn of the children of Israel and uh, everyone else. In that sense, probably because all the firstborn of the Egyptians were slaughtered as part of the Passover in a uh, 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 ceremony that began. Not by people, but uh, by the, according to the narrative, by the Lord, Lord sending uh, an angel of death, as it were, throughout the land of Egypt and killing them off. Verse 3, And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place, no leavened bread shall be eaten. So again, with the leavened bread, um, no, um, uh, nothing that's going to make your bread rise. No baking soda, no baking powder, no yeast. Presumably it's yeast back then. But none of that is to be used because you're to remember that moment that happened so quick. You didn't have time to let anything rise. You had to flee, run for your lives and for your freedom. And that's the whole point of doing it, of not using the unleavened bread, it seems, um, because they were rescued and it happened in haste. It happened in a moment, just like that. And the angel that killed off all the firstborn of the Egyptians spared the firstborn of the children of Israel as part of their um, deliverance. Verse 4, on this day you're going out in the month of Abib. So that's the name, name of it. I couldn't think of it when we read it last, uh, read it uh, previously. But Abib is the first month. And forgive me if I pronounce it or any of the rest of these wrong. But it's saying um, here that's the first month on the Hebrew calendar. And what month that corresponds to uh, by our modern calendar, or, you know, the Gregorian calendar as it's called, um, that I don't know. But you can easily search it and see. I don't recall when it is. I'm guessing it's around the same time as Passover, somewhere March, April in there. But I seem to recall, like I said before, Yom Kippur being later uh, later on in the year. But whatever the case may be, Abib is what they're naming the first month of the, of the Hebrew calendar. Verse 5, And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land, into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. So uh, Moses is letting them know this is going to be what we call holiday. It's going to be a regular holiday that they're to keep, a ceremony they're to recognize and keep every year. Um, and even to this day, Passover is kept by um, the children of Israel, Israelites, Jewish people, even now, not everyone universally, but it's still recognized as a holiday um, uh, to this day. And this is thousands and thousands of years later. And the whole part about the 
the people that they're going there and the land that they're going, those are different nations of people that did exist in history and you can look them up and see what area they uh, inhabited and get a clearer picture of the area of and who they were surrounded by at that time. Verse 6, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread and on the seventh day there should be a feast to the Lord. So the whole unleavened bread, pita bread, naan, that sort of bread um, is what they're going to be eating for those seven days uh, instead of like loaf bread like you have in America now or any other like dinner rolls, nothing like that with the with the yeast to make them rise. But instead, flatbreads are what they're to be eating. And it's so that it can be uh, in recognition of the Passover of when they were rescued in the first place those thousands of years ago. And then on the seventh day, a festival, a feast, a, a party um, um, on that seventh day. Verse 7, unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall any nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. So not only are they to avoid avoid leavening the bread that they eat for those uh, seven days, but they're supposed to not even have it in their house. No yeast uh, like or anything that's going to make the bread rise even anywhere near or around them. It's um, part of the ceremony. Verse 8, And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. So uh, they're saying that uh, they're to tell their children like they're little kids. But it's also in modern times is to remember that moment of when they were emancipated, delivered from slavery. And sort of like the same way Juneteenth is being um, 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 now being uh, recognized as the day when slavery ended for everyone in America. Uh, the African slavery ended, although it didn't end with the Emancipation Proclamation, it didn't end with the Civil War, it didn't end with Juneteenth. That was just the moment when everyone, when it was fully known and recognized and to slaves who didn't know it years prior that were who were still being enslaved, that's when the news finally got to them that they were actually free. Even though the people keeping them enslaved were just so evil, they continued to keep them enslaved, even though they knew legally they were free. So it's a little different in that sense, but it's recognition of the same thing that that's when the slavery ended. Verse 9, it shall be as a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. So like I said before, this kind of reminds me of the Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, where people get a mark on their forehead and on their hands that differentiates them between the people who are faithful and on God's side and who are not. Similarly, these people at this deliverance are getting a mark, uh, only in this case it's a, a memorial, a remembrance on in their minds and in their hands that they were slaves and they were delivered from it by the, the supernatural providence of God moving in their lives to save them. Verse 10, you shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. So again, that's to, it's, and they have, it have, it still lasts to this time now. Passover is still a holiday, recognizing the deliverance, emancipation from that slavery. Verse 11, 
And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you. So um, again, talking about the whole promised land, a prophecy um, pointing to that. Verse 12, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. So in the sense of um, that, in that sense, it's saying they're going to be the Lord's as in they're to be sacrificed, they're to be killed. Uh, not, I would presume, not the same way the firstborn of the people are being set apart and sanctified to the Lord. Um, but the animals, uh, they're to be slaughtered and offered as sacrifices in remembrance of the firstborn of the Egyptians who were slaughtered during the Passover rescue or deliverance. Verse 13. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with the lamb, and it and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and all the firstborn of man among you among your sons you shall redeem. So I'm not sure why the donkey gets special treatment, um, and all the other animals don't, but for whatever reason the firstborn of the donkey gets spared. Um Maybe because of the whole talking donkey story that's going to come up as we keep reading. Um, I don't know. But for whatever reason, the donkey gets spared that same um, uh, ordinance of being slaughtered if it's the firstborn. And instead, I mean, uh, slaughtered in the same way that the others would. But instead, it gets its neck broken. I'm not sure why, but that's part of their ordinance. And I'm, and like I said before, I don't think any of these things are done, in, uh, at least by American Jewish people in modern times. But maybe they are, and it's just a secret ceremony that only people who are taking part of it, in it know. Um, but for the most part, I don't think most people are keeping, keeping any of these things anymore, at least not in America. Um, let's see. First, uh, oh, and it can be redeemed. Oh. Let me see. Oh, um, sort of one last thing. So you don't have to kill it, but you can also redeem it. Um, I'm not really sure how. Let me see. Oh, yeah. So to redeem it, if it's a, if you redeem, if you don't want to kill the donkey, that would be the redemption. If you want to save the donkey and not kill it, I'm not, again, I don't know why the other animals don't get that treatment too. But if you have your donkey, probably because it's good for other work, but so are all sorts of other animals. But whatever the case may be, you cannot kill the donkey if you choose to and instead kill a lamb. Let that be the sacrifice. Um, but if you won't even do that, then you have to break its neck is what it's saying. But then also um, the firstborn of the sons, you redeem them also. I guess that's why the lambs are offered for them so that you don't have to also kill the firstborn of the people. Verse 14, so it shall be when your sons ask you in time to come saying, what is this that you shall say to him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So again, saying in future, when future generations question the meaning of these different ceremonies and all this bloodshed of the lambs, of the donkeys, of uh, what's it all mean? It's to remind them that they were once slaves. To not get haughty and remember your people were slaves. You were slaves too, just like black people were slaves at one time. 
maybe that's one of the reasons it seems a lot of Jewish people are bonded closely to uh, black people, African-American people, because we have that slave legacy in our blood and many of us choose not to forget it. Whereas some of us sell themselves out and do try to forget it, hoping to assimilate to the oppressing, uh, um, uh, oppressing party rather than uh, remember the oppressed party. Um, let's see. But it's for a memorial so that you don't forget your roots. Verse 15, And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I, sh I redeem. So um, again, it's a patriarchal document. The Bible is in general, particularly anything that's not red letter, because Jesus didn't recognize that same patriarchy. Um, but instead sort of leveled the playing field when it comes to the sexes, the genders, that only can really be found in Jesus' teachings. Otherwise, it's what the, what happens to the men, what happens to the males that seems uh, most prevalent and most important and most documented. So uh, the firstborn of the males is what gets sacrificed, uh, whether it's an animal or a person. And in the case of the people, and in the case of donkeys, if you don't want to sacrifice them, then you offer the lamb's blood, killing it as um, as a recognition of, again, the Passover that spared the uh, firstborn of the faithful, but killed off the firstborn of the uh, enslavers and the whole Passover ceremony. And again, it's recognized to this day even though it's not done in the same way as far as I know. Verse 16, it shall be as a sign on your hand as and as frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. So again, it's to memorialize the fact that it was miracles and supernatural events that God performed to deliver the people from slavery. God only knows why black people didn't get that same deliverance from slavery in America, but... Uh, it's to remember that in the case of Exodus, in the case of the Passover. Verse 17, Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of land, of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So, I guess, presumably, the Philistines who were nearby in that area were not at peace, were at a time of war at that time. So um, it seems God is rerouting them to a longer, more circuitous route uh, rather than a more direct route to get to the promised land, to get to what we call Palestine or Israel or the Holy Land of modern times, rather than just make a straight shot there, leads them round about to get there. Um, and saying it's because the people of that area were at war and didn't want to terrify the people who were just emancipated. And again, why didn't black people get that that same treatment in America then? Since uh, it took a war, a civil war, to, uh, to even get the ball rolling. Um, verse 18, so God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. So 
they were rescued and freed from their slavery and taken on a roundabout way um, to freedom to the so-called promised land. Let's see, verse 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up his bones from here with you. And you can read that at uh, the end of the first book of the Bible, in the Genesis, where Joseph lets them know this is what's going to happen. He predicts it. He prophesies it. And here you see it's happening now. And he says, and when it does happen, make sure you carry up his remains with you. So that's what they're doing here. Verse uh, 20. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. So if you see an old uh, uh, a map of the old test of the Old Testament areas, you could see where this is, where they um believe they camped at um when they got freed from the slavery. Verse twenty one And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. So uh, that would be like the only way it could be done since, as far as we know, they didn't have uh, lights like we do now, like electronic lights, portable lights where you could travel day and night. Um, but so to as a pillar of cloud from the elements, presumably by day, since this is happening in North Africa, probably pretty hot, probably pretty, even hard on the skin as far as sun exposure, no matter what your complexion is. Um, so as per, as a as a help in the daytime and guidance with the pillar of cloud and for light um, as a pillar of fire by night so that they can travel and expedite their um, their um, emancipation fully and their trip. Verse 22, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people so that they know for sure it's supernatural. It's not Moses' hand doing it. It's not their own will delivering them from slavery. It's uh, the supernatural. It's God, if you will. It's the Lord working with them to deliver them and using the supernatural sign of the cloud following them and leading them, actually, and them following it and the pillar of fire. You could imagine that uh, leading them by night, giving them light as they travel. Um, and this actually is the end of this chapter, the end of this reading. I hope it gives you light, and I appreciate you reading it along with me, and hope it was a blessing for you. And feel free to join me again. We have these Old Testament readings on Mondays and Wednesdays, and Saturday nights, at those are at random times, and Saturday nights, generally, usually around midnight, early Sunday mornings, we focus on the readings of the, of what Jesus had to say. Because just in case you don't know it, the whole Bible isn't what Jesus had to say. Only six books have anything that Jesus had to say in them. And um, that's what we focus on, those red letters, on Saturday nights. We still read these other readings on Mondays and Wednesdays to get a better understanding of the difference between the two. Since Jesus lets us know, if you want to know, if you want to do the will of God, it's to know the will concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God so uh, that's what we do. And if you want to hear past readings, you can see them, hear them while they last on this platform. Um, or if you're an adult, you can go to my platform, hungtgirl.com, and see the readings there. 
all the ones there though are generally for now I'm working on it just the gospels just the red letters just what Jesus had to say since I self identify as a Christian uh that's what I usually that's what I try to use as my guide um when it comes to our paths here um in the world you can get a membership make a donation or just enjoy the free content there on my site and all of the above are appreciated and I thank you for it and God bless you for it and um, I hope you stay safe. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Love your neighbor. God bless you and peace to you. Thanks again. I'll see you next time.